Uh, I've started the recording. All right, so I'm Rusty Sosha, and you are tuning into Turn Sideways Games. In this series, I am interviewing Kickstarter creators to hear the story behind their projects. Today, I have on the show Matt and Savannah Mundi uh, with Seacow Games. Seacow has their uh, first project live on Kickstarter, and with 13 days left to go in the campaign, they've already raised over $200,000 and received a Project We Love tag from Kickstarter. Congratulations, by the way. That's huge. So I'm excited to hear more about Matt and Savannah, how they got into board gaming and how they went about launching such a successful first project. Matt and Savannah, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. So can you share with my audience a little bit more about your background, how you got into board gaming, just how you guys met maybe? Uh, yeah, so we met uh, at met high school and uh, she was the catch. So uh, um, it, was, it was great. Um, I married up for sure. Nice, nice work. Way to go. Yeah. If you can tell from this game and how he's run. But, you know, we, we, you know, we liked games. I think our first one that we really got into was Catan, of course, you know, like so many other people. We played day. every day for months. So, you know, it was, oh, this is great. Um, and from there, of course, you know, we got more mature, found more games. People who introduce other games. Yeah. Yeah. Not just Catan. Um, and so we just started chewing them up and started, you know, the bad habit of spending more and more money on games, newer and newer, more games. Totally. We really love the fellowship that's kind of built around the table. For sure, yeah. That brings people together. So, so was it ninth grade that you met then? Well, technically, yes. Okay. We were in some classes together. We didn't start eating till after um, high school, but yeah. yeah. Funny story. My mom um, went to open house with me and was like, he's had such a good smile. So <laughs> good. Way to go, mom. Calling it out. Yeah. Then five years later, we started dating. Yeah, so. yeah. Did it take for you to find Settlers of Catan and kind of get into the gaming? Was it re-engaged to that point? We must have been because part of it, my brother was living at home and that was something we would all do together. Yeah. Got it. So so it went Settlers of Catan and then what was the next one? Do you remember? Oh, man. There are a shelf behind this. I mean... Some annals of history. Yeah, I mean, I really, I really like Adventure Time. Oh, yeah. And my wife, she got me munchkin. <laughs> I like it. It's a little zany and crazy. And yeah. um, it's just like one thing after I love asymmetry, you know. Um, so I like just things like like Root, for example. Um, I just, I love Andrew Bosley. I think he's the best illustrator of all time. So, you know, Everdell, of course. I also like to like think he was. So I like, uh, I like Rolling Realms uh, by Stonemaier Games. I love just like puzzling through. To me, that one's like a Mario Party and uh, numbers. Just like Jaws of the Lion was also one where we kind of just like like in terms of our vision of a game, um, that there was characters and you could have a story and that yeah. was another love of ours. So it was like, oh, we definitely got incorporated in whatever we do. Interesting. Yeah. And then of course playing games like parks, uh, they're just like so gorgeous and like how they're, how they're designed. I was like, okay, like, yeah, yeah I want an inside liner on my box. <laughs> of course I do. I mean, can you sell gorgeous? This is things like that. That's awesome. So, so it seems, I mean, you guys, are finding a lot of value in all the nuance of of games. It sounds like you've got you know the the characters, the story, the camaraderie that it's building, like the actual presentation, the artwork. It's that's awesome. That's um, I, I can see how you guys wanted to get into doing your own designs, right? Yeah, and with with the love of that. So, another random question: uh, Has Munchkin held up for you over the years? I, you know, it, it takes the right crowd um, and. I've never, I played like regular Munchkin uh, one time. I didn't like it. I just, I just think I just like the. Uh... Totally. totally. Adventure Time's fantastic. Uh, cool. So 
when did the transition happen or what was what was kind of the first conversation like around like hey we could maybe design a game uh we were reading a, a book series for with our kids uh it was this dad who wrote you know some stories and stuff about rabbits with swords and we were just thinking man it'd be really cool if we could do something that you know that i could build and make that we could share with our kids as a family and stuff um and we have chickens in our backyard that we keep and they're like, dope, Alice, that it's right there. You know, we, we spend, you know, a lot of our time dealing with like, oh gosh, there's a snake, they had some eggs or, oh, a hawk's trying to get them or a possum broke in and killed a couple, you know? So it seemed like the natural fit. That's awesome. So, so, uh, how, how old are your kids at this point? Nine, seven, five, one, and one in, one in the, one in the oven. Congratulations. That's that's a, uh, I have two girls at home. That's uh two and a half and one and a half ish. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're so much fun. They're so much fun, but five, man, how do you guys find time to run Kickstarter campaigns? Wild. We both are from home. So that's helpful. And our families are here. So that's another layer. And there's a lot of stuff you can do at night after the kids go to bed. And it's true. He is definitely nine now. Totally. Um. <laughs> Re- reasonable bedtimes for all of them. I hope. Depends on the day, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean. But it's, it's, that's a constant struggle on our end is, is just getting the kids down at a reasonable hour, but, um, that's fantastic. So, okay. So, so, so you, you had concepts around, you know, where, where you could potentially take a game, uh, or flesh out a game design. Well, sorry, before I ask that, you said that game design is not your full-time thing and you work from home. What, what, what do you guys do for your, your full-time job? Oh, it's, it's what I do. Oh, yeah, what um, do she's okay. a biblical counselor. Uh, so it means when you know, as long as she has a laptop, she can meet with people and yeah. 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 Uh, that was one, you know, one positive thing from COVID is that that opened up that realm um, of possibility. Yeah. yeah. But in terms of game development, one of the funny things is Matt started, he's um, very um, together oriented, you know, all of those things. I really want to crush somebody in a game. So he wanted to do cooperative and was like, this is not, I'm still playing this. And eventually, you know, like probably what, a year into it, <laughs> like, wait. They've actually gotten somewhere I enjoy playing this. We should, this is a good thing. We should really take off on this. That's amazing. I, so, so I, I'm totally aligned with you about co-op games in general. Like I, I've yet to play a co-op game that I've like really fallen in love with. And it's I, I, like, I agree that like, I want to crush somebody. Like I, I just, that's like, that's what the fun part is. So, yeah. yeah. So, so what, how, how did that, like, what were the elements for you that, that made the co-op game, you know, go from I'm not having fun to exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so several huge things, and I'm sure everybody who creates a game starts out like this. You, it's just one thing. And then there's like three other things as you learn. So adding in mini bosses really helped. And then um, loot drops was kind of the thing, because I could be the one to get the Get the cloud of getting all the loot drops. <laughs> this was like my claim to fame. I killed this one, you know, uh, really a shift for me. Um, and then it also helps with the asymmetric people and the kind of the way Matt's prevented quarterbacking there's not like this somebody's telling you what to do or you have to do this or the group's going to be mad or you know that those sort of dynamics that can be uncomfortable so so I know I'm jumping around a lot but um Matt did you have you always been a game designer or you doing something before this no yeah I was I mean I've done a little bit of everything uh you know I've I've worked in like retail and sales and construction high, high school teacher math bible um just like a little bit of everything woodworking um, and so, you know, I was, I was doing this, this stuff is like a side hobby. Uh, at first I was like, wait a second, uh, the mechanisms are good. It's fun. The next part is to get Andrew the Bosley, uh, to, to skin a real ice for us, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. help bring that theme to life. 
I was like, okay, well, this is the thing. Let's 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 put all our eggs in one basket and go for it. That's amazing. So so the have you done a full game design before this? Because I did some researching and I could not find anything online. No, this is game number Uno. We've got some others that we're tweaking or are working on right now, but yeah. they're, they would definitely be there after we did this one. That's incredible. So, all right. So, so, so I think I kind of heard a little bit about how you arrived at the theme. It was, you know, drawing on the chickens and some of the things going around the house and the mechanics. It sounds like you've had a lot of experience with a lot of different kinds of games. And I assume that you kind of pick some of your favorite things. What, what were some of the really like, you know, two or three top influencers from, you know, that, that, that informed some of the mechanics? Yeah, I mean, I I love asymmetry, um, so that's something I really wanted to bring out. You know, I I mean, games where everyone is the same is fine, but I think uh, I think almost every game could be better with asymmetry. I just love it. I love the variability it, it, it includes, and so of course, you know, I went to low overboard and made made eleven different characters that people could be. I was like, yeah, there's eleven different characters, all asymmetric. So I think that that was a large part of it. Is you know, in the end, you know. Uh, Another thing was uh, leveling up is another one of the main mechanisms. Uh, and that, that came from, you know, uh, bringing this theme out. You know, chicks are not, like, they're eggs and they're chicks. And then yeah. folds are cockerels, then roosters are hens as they go up. And, you know, how uh, I wanted the theme to be, to not not be, not a game loosely based on theme, but, you know, kind of have the theme more brought out there. So, you know, with the character flip books, like, you start out as a chick. And, you know, you have your own abilities and your benefits that you get and your how your production works and as you level up all that changes you get stronger you need abilities get more health and and all of that um so i think those are some of the you know big mechanisms that we pulled in well, were there any games like specific titles that like heavily influenced the, those mechanics and the way that you developed them or was it just your broad experience with a lot of stuff i mean it, it's kind of like every game we play that you like that you want to replicate or something that you don't like that you want to avoid so it might be something as simple as like, you know, with parks, you know, like the box is thicker and I like that. It's like, okay, our box is going to be one and a half millimeters to be two millimeters because I like how that feels. It holds up. And because the game is six and a half pounds, like you kind of need a heavier box. Yeah. Uh, or something like, you know, uh, rising sun has, has, you know, it has like seasons in it. Yep. I was like, I really like how that, I really like how that works in the game and the diagonally is perfect. Like, you know, to as a way to measure time in a game where time is important and there's leveling up and things like that. I should like, you know, you have having some like seasons in there and you know, so it's just like, you know, here and there, just like, you know, snippets of, you know, I, you know, Savannah mentioned like Gloomhaven yeah. and the fact they're being story. Um, we love stories, you know, games that it's like first to 10 points wins. That's cool. We, you know, we play those, but I want to know what's going on. Why are we doing this? Who is my character? Like what kind of things do they say? So, you know, in the rule book, we have like a, a short story in the beginning of it said, what's going on? Why are we here? What's like, what are they doing? Yeah. All the characters have bios, predators, and villains. Um, all the heroes have flavor text on every level. Adapted quotes. Those are pretty funny. Yeah. 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 That's so good. So, so, I mean, I, I can appreciate the fact that like it, you're drawing on this whole experience of, of board games and it's not just one or two specific designs. Like it's, it, there, there are so many games in the market where it seems like a, you know, a rehash or a refresh of some other game. And so what it, what it kind of sounds like is that that is not the approach you guys took. There was a ground up sort of thing pulling on a lot of the elements that, that you just love from all the different kinds of games that you play. Is that, is that kind of accurate? Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. So for both of you, I'm curious, what, what was the low point of the entire, you know, design and development process? And then we'll, I, I want to know about the high point. So I go in. Um, you go first. So 
you know, how we started this was just trying to make something fun, right? And then also we have very strong opinions about, you know, aesthetics and, and how things feel, all those things. So we knew nothing about how to take the idea and put it into a physical product. Yeah. So when one of our first conversations with Andrew Bosley was, well, do this many pieces of art. Yeah. Oh, we didn't think about uh, asking oh, all in our... That's not normal. I just designed the game, right? Yeah. And we went to him and he's like, yeah, who's your graphic designer? I'm like, what's that? Isn't that you? Don't you do that? Like, right, uh, no, I, I'm the illustrators. Oh, okay. Uh, so we designed, we designed it with like, oh yeah, every character, bosses and heroes have three stages and they all look different. And they're actual characters. They're not just like, you know, things that show up. Yeah. 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 So, so that was a low point. Was, was your, yeah. My, well, I would, I mean, I would say like, Kickstarter, like leading up to it, I mean, it was just really encouraging. Um, so part of Matt's background, right, is that sales piece. He's just phenomenal at the marketing end of it. Um, so just like, again, we're new to all of this. And as people are saying, like, you have 8,000 pre-launch followers. How does that happen? And it's like, oh, okay. So this is a good number. Great. Um, and then, you know, when we click start and the numbers are actually, you know, there's this piece of like, is it actually going to like mathematically it should, but is it really? And then just seeing... Um, people's buy-in and you know their comments and our facebook group like it's just so encouraging to see people being love what we love and to be yeah. excited about what we're excited about and mm-hmm. what's the other high point for me yeah matt low high I, yeah I, w- I would say um uh one of them is you know you know because you know 11 characters you got to make sure they all play well together um so we do tons of play testing but you know when we finally get to the point where it's hard to have play testers evaluate your game if it's ugly as heck <laughs> right um, so, I mean, I'm talking like clip art, cut out on paper. Yeah. All, all <laughs> do we have? Okay. What happened? Yeah. I was like, I think this is good. Um, let me reach out to Andrew Bosley and, you know, because he's, he's my favorite. So, like, okay, well, I, I one stop shop. Like, he's my favorite. Let's, so let's ask Andrew Bosley. Yeah. And I was like, hey, uh, I'm nobody. I want to make a game about chickens. Um, do you ever work with, with new people? He was like, you know, I do. I would totally love to do that, but I'm just like so. I'm like booked off next year. Yeah. Sorry. And so, you know, that, that was I was like, bummer. Like, I was like, what do I do now? Yeah. 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 And then uh, I waited a year, and he built him back, and was like, hey, it's been a year. Are you free yet? He was like, I'm so pretty full about work you in. Um, nice. Yeah. So I'm like, yes, that's just so cool. That's huge. And that's kind of been the thing is like all of these people that are. We are not well versed. Like, you know, we're learning all of it. But people who've done this have been so generous and so kind. Connect us to other people who have yeah. and things we didn't know or even ask. Everybody we talked to in the industry has been so kind, helping us out, um, giving us advice, connecting us with the right people. Like, oh, you didn't know about this piece? Talk to these guys yeah. or something like that. I, I, so I've been through two Kickstarter um, campaigns, and like my, my background is in product development, and like I, I I'm used to working with manufacturers in China and like doing fulfillment and like. Yeah. I, you know, I, I remember my first time through the process was so overwhelming and, and just, I have so much respect and admiration for you both having, you know, just had the foresight to do all the marketing up front and, and, and crushing those, you know, notify us counts and, and, you know, having so much success with this first one. It's, um, it, it's truly really impressive. So, you know, congratulations. That's, that's amazing. There's so much learning that goes into it that, that you guys are describing and I, I, I've lived it and I know it. So it's, that's, yeah, that's awesome. Well, and I think like, Matt has listened to like everything that's available, read everything that's available. And then, you know, like, like I said, these people that have done this before have said, you know, have you thought about going to a convention? Have you thought about running ads? Have sure. Yeah. It's like, oh, yes, hey, we'll do that. Yeah. 
So out of all the things that you kind of got educated on leading up to this, what was what was the, I guess, the biggest surprise for you out of all that? Because I heard a lot of different things, but but if you could pick one or two, I'm curious, like what, yeah. Yeah, um, I guess, uh, you know, just the idea that um, you can't crowdfund without a crowd, you know? So I was like, oh yeah, I, I got the game in, you know, I'll, I only need like, uh, how many, Panda Game Manufacturing has a 2,000 minimum order and I need like 800 people to even print the units before I even ship them anywhere, even out of China. So yeah. Like, oh yeah. I see 800 people on my Kickstarter page, right? And my videographer, Ori Kane, he's a great guy. He's like, oh, let me, show, let me tell you about some math here and how that works. And yeah. hey, have you heard of the crowdfunding nerds? Like, go listen to their stuff. They'll tell you, like, what's up. So it's like, oh gosh, it's it's just going to be really hard to pre market this and yeah. try and get the word out. And so uh, that that is a nice segue into. The, the marketing prior to that because i think that that is one of the most remarkable aspects of of what you've accomplished so far is just yeah the, the thinking through that and executing on it well so yeah whenever you first realized that you 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 needed those 800 as, as a minimum how, how did you kind of first start thinking about how am i going to get people onto my page and you know ultimately back right early yeah i mean as far as the math goes i know uh people say like in the tabletop game space for regular and publishers you can like expect around a 20 percent conversion rate um and for first time publishers less and so i was thinking okay based uh, on the number of people that that have said notify me is that yeah percent of that okay uh-huh so i was like okay well i don't have a realistic funding goal i want to be one like one of those like okay the funding goals two thousand dollars and we funded in 12 seconds it's like no i want a real funding goal fifty thousand dollars um but i still want to fund on day one so like what percentage do i need and okay you know, I think I got it down to like 8% or something like that conversion rate would help me fund on day one. These are some other concepts where you talked about like risk reduction. Yeah. He was, I cannot recommend him highly enough. He's, he's fantastic. Of like helping us. I think beyond this game, what kind of company do you want to build? Who are your super fans? Yeah. So, sorry, who, who yeah. did you say was, was this good resource? Ori Kagan. O-R-I-K-A-G-A-N. Kagan Productions. He's the guy who did our our, our Kickstarter video. Got it. But he does uh, Yeah. Yeah. If his, if we didn't have his vice, we wouldn't have succeeded. Um, he was pivotal. And so, you know, I I did sales at one point. Um, I got a MMA gym, and you know, just thinking through like, okay, a lot of people have a negative view of sales, like trying to just like sell off a lemon to people. But you know, just the idea of like with marketing, um, what you're trying to do is connect people with your product, who if they knew about it, they would love it. Um, like you're like it, it's act it's like you're serving people and connecting them with something they wish they knew about. So just trying to connect with the right people and add value to them, you know. Um, I like every convention I went to, I was giving away like hundreds of dollars worth of worth of like merch, you know. And and even on the Facebook page, I was like, hey, you know, you guys were going to convention, so hey, just drop your name and I'll send you stuff. Like not even paying, like not even them paying shipping, just like hey, to have have. Have like so I got these uh these like vinyl stickers like waterproof I, I tested it in my sink to make sure of like all the different characters so I was like hey just put your name and uh, address in this form and I'll send you I'll send you some merch um just trying to add value to people and yeah. I think people will, like, can appreciate and you know I got other things so on the sticker like it's it's not an ad yeah um I'm not mailing someone an ad it's like the name of the characters on there and my website's there very small very like like unobtrusive color. Like it's there as a reference, but really, like it's a character sticker. It's not a walking ad for me, and I think people enjoyed that and saw it, and I think that helps 
build excitement for the game. Yeah. So, so I have a, my, my, I, I got two games. The first one was Taco Ninja Adventure. The second one was Words of a Feather. And with Taco Ninja Adventure, I try to do a lot of upfront marketing, kind of following a similar mindset, you know, philosophy that you just described. And I, I went to some conventions and I, you know, sent out a lot of free stuff. And ultimately, like, I had a modest, like, very modestly like successful campaign. And I've got 500 units of inventory sitting in my attic right now. They're like, I don't know if I'm ever going to move. But I, I'm curious because I, I have some perspective on what I think, you know, was was worthwhile spend from that and conventions were not are not in that that list and i'm curious like what are some of the things that that the pre-launch marketing activities that you think were worthwhile to do versus not worthwhile to do i think a, a really unique thing so like um i mean even thinking about like how do we add value to people um is unique but uh-huh. one thing that was really important to him that was hard to make happen we took a prototype um from panda to these conventions that's yeah, like, top of the line like you couldn't tell the difference like it's called a prototype, but like it's nicer than like ninety percent of the games on my shelf, like as is. Um, so like that really tangible, like we because we don't have any credibility. Like this is the product, this yeah. is the level that we're going to create and manufacture. Yeah, people could put their hands on it, and I was like, I, like I, I wanted to build credibility because you know coming from no one, like who's this guy? Um, it's like I was like, okay, here's the game. Like I'm going to kickstart with the game done. Uh, I'm not going to say see you in two years when I finish the last 10%. Uh, I go to convention. I was like, here, feel the weight of these eggs in your hand. Like these eggs made a resident. Like they're heavy as heck. Like feel it. I like, put it in people's hands. Yeah, they, yeah. they would see it. I was like, feel the cards. Like it has a linen finish. It has an ivory core. Like you can't get cards nicer than this. Yeah. You know? And just like helping like walk through, like like showing them the value that is there. Because um, I think he... Hey. And it's great. No, it's no, no. Good. My computer does that sometimes. No worries. Yeah, just um, try to help people see the value of things. Um, because I think if you have a product that's really, really high quality, the only hurdle is getting people to see that. And you know, so that's why I went to conventions. I was like, okay, I want people to feel it. I want them to see it. And um, I think I think that element was really helpful in like as far as building credibility. Yeah. yeah. How how about uh? any kind of Facebook marketing? Did you guys, did you guys do marketing like online at all? Yeah. Um, we did some stuff with board game geek, um, one month before the campaign and right now during the campaign. Um, and other than that, it was just Facebook ads. What, what was your philosophy or the way that you approached running Facebook ads? Uh, I want to find people that, that might be interested in my game. And I just tried to present like, you know, the most beautiful parts of the game that I could, you know, so I'd have, um, you know, one point I was like, okay, look at this, like have the box cover on there with the main boards, the background. And I would target at like, you know, just like, you know, anyone who's on Facebook ads, knows like the basic, okay, well, the game is in English. So like, okay, we'll speak English. And um, I started with America and people were interested in tabletop games. Um, things like that to try and narrow the focus a little bit. And I tried to make the ads engaging. Like everyone's seen good ads and bad ads on Facebook. Ads that aren't engaging and ones that are really compelling. Uh, so just trying to, you know, tap into the part of us that, you know, love story. Like yeah. all humans love story. So like, okay, yeah. so my ads are going to talk about a little bit. They're going to sneak peek some of the story element that our game has. No, that's, that's really, I hadn't considered the whole story thing. So, so I, my, I have a lot of um, background doing marketing and, um, you know, part of, 
the way that I was thinking about launching and marketing the last game was trying to present people with this concept of, you know, I want to take you from where you're at today to this, this concept of, you know, a fun game night, right? Like that's what everybody, whenever they buy a game, your, your goal is to have the most fun experience because you've got so many different games that you can pick and you, and you want to be thought of as like a good host and a good, you know, curator of games. And so like, that was kind of how I was positioning, but I, you know, my, my game didn't have any story associated with it. So I, that's, that's really interesting that, you know, the story was the main piece, but I'm, I'm sure that, you know, in general, that also the concept of picking a good game that has a story like that, that's kind of baked in, right. That, you know, bring people there. yeah. And, and so, you know, I, this is, this was like my first stab, like I'm not, you know, I don't have like a background in like online marketing or anything like that. So take it with a grain of salt, but you know, like I, I wouldn't lead with mechanisms in an ad. Like I'd, I'd list something like, okay, this, this yeah. is a proper game, you know, but no one wants to see an ad as like, okay, this. Uh, well, I think what we did was just you know? probably the people that are interested in this are going to be like us. What captures us? I just assumed I'm a regular dude, you know? So the, the intro ads, like the founder is dead. The predators have invaded, you know, can you gather your team and like repel the inventors or will you along with the prophecy be consumed? Yeah. 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 And I was like, there's a there's a mini story there. I I remember like reading that first line. The founders that I thought like, oh shit, who died? Like that's that's my <laughs> very first thought, and it was it was very capturing. So so you nailed that. Um, cu- curious about the actual like mechanisms of the Facebook campaigns. When you're doing an ad campaign on Facebook, you can like select. I want to convert people. I want like people to like my page or interact with me. Like, th- did you pick a, a certain selection, or was it just kind of doing a bunch yeah. of different things? Um. I kind of just bumbled my way through it. I I think I did the the one on like engagement that you know encourages people to like click, and I sent all the traffic just to the Kickstarter pre-launch page. Smart. Um, I I people could, you know, leave me their email on my website or when they were joining the flock together, you know, group. They could give me their email if they wanted to for our monthly updates, but I didn't. I wasn't pushing email collection at any point during the whole campaign. The goal was to get people onto Kickstarter and click the like. Right. Because, so, I mean, again, thinking about us, I'm unlikely to give somebody I don't know who doesn't have any credibility my information. Yeah. I'm a lot more I likely to give them, I get to, spam, right? to go to a program I know about and I've already registered on. So low, low investment. Um, but then, so what's happened is the people that have sought us out from that, like in the Facebook group or in the email chain are really interested. Yeah. Um, you know, they put the time in to see is their one. And, you know, all the content's engaging. You're like, you know, like, like what I did, like all, like literally all I did was in the ad, I just commented like, hey, like for the rest of the stories, the other characters and other sneak peeks, join our group. And I mm-hmm. linked the group. And our group has like 1,200 people in it. Yeah. Um, huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I think the number one thing is engaging content. Like I'm trying to build, add value to people. Um, I'm showing characters and their stories like images of the game um like that's where we did a bunch of the like the sticker giveaways um and trying to make it not feel like i'm badgering people but how i can add interesting things for them to read or uh think things like that i think you know and this is the kickstarter platform as a whole but it's it's you it's not a business it's not this far removed thing so you know just how do you how do you connect with people? How do you um, show them who you are and what you're about? Okay. With you know a lot of that, it's a fine line to walk. And there's also a lot of conflicting advice around you know do you present yourself more as a business and and try to remove yourself from it, or do you do you try to present like this is me and and 
get people to invest in not only the, the product, but also, you know, you as individuals. And so it's, I mean, it's tough to know whatever you're first getting into it. And, and it's amazing that you guys picked all the right things to do to get, you know, the people. I'm just, on. I just assume that I'm the right, I'm a regular guy and other people are like me. So I was yeah. like, Hey, what would I want to listen to? Or what would I, yeah. I want to see? So, you know, there's like a fine line, like you talked about, like in the middle, like I'm not going to go, like, I didn't want to go to Kickstarter and say, Hey, there's 10% of the game unfinished. Help me finish it. Like, I don't want that. I want you to show me a game and I want to buy a game. And totally. You know, I love buying games, but I don't want to build your game for you. You build something amazing. Give it to me. I'll, I'll buy it. Yeah. Uh, I was like, okay, I'm going to go Kickstarter with it done. Um, but also, like, in the group, I don't post as CCAL Games. I post as me mm-hmm. um, because I want people to see that it's me. Like, CCAL Games, like, like I am CCAL Games, you know? <laughs> so, like, I, w- I want people to see that it's me and, you know, I'm... I, I'm I'm very upfront with people. I'll answer like any question people will ask about. And I think that's been really, you know, again, another unique thing that was really important to you. Uh, like the no Kickstarter. Like these are somewhat, you know, as we're talking to people, they're like, are you sure? Like, well, this is what we like and what we're interested in. Yeah. Gonna- I hate stretch goals. No stretch goals. Pre-stretch. Everything's included. I'm with you on the stretch goals. Stretch goals are kind of bogus. It's, it's a big marketing ploy that feels slimy at the end of the day, I think. Yeah, it's like, don't. Well, and we've also learned like from like other designers, like it can really mess up your product because you didn't weigh that or you didn't, you know, add that component in or think about the cost there. You know, like it's hard to guess all those things before you know if it's happening or not. And yeah, yeah. Nah. yeah I just rather go in knowing my game's extremely expensive yeah. manufacturer. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that's what I'm about. And you know, and then you know. Yeah, complain for it all. So, um. Is there is there something that you wish people would understand or appreciate just about the whole process or the kind of work that you do? Is there anything that you just like? It's not immediately evident, but you just wish people kind of knew it. Do you have something? I have something. Well, I mean, I think what's been eye opening to me, right, is I I am very conscious about spending money, what we're going to spend it on, and just like the reality of what it takes to get something made in China, put on a thing brought here delivered to your door like those pieces it's like what it actually cost that uh, and then i mean so that was for me to see like no they're not actually marking this up a crazy amount like they're there's a reason they're using kickstarter because this makes it possible um you know all of those things i think for me was really important to see uh this like what's going on behind it the integrity um and i think that's something we wanted to communicate too like we're not gimmicky yeah there's no gimmicks like i'm like people like like it costs a lot. I think people are used to Amazon with like uh, free shipping. Well, you pay like 150 bucks a year for that free shipping. Yeah. You know, if you pay me 150 bucks, I'll ship the game to you for free too. <laughs> but you know, so like I'm I'm not making money on shipping. Like I'm subsidizing every every game. Like that shipping doesn't doesn't cover it. And that's just the last the mini like the manufacturing piece. Like my game costs triple to manufacture any game in that size. Whoa. Um. Yeah. So like. My margins are real small. Like, yeah, like, I had to crack six, like six. Like, I don't even know if I broke anything. I don't know. We'll we'll figure it out at the end. It's constantly developing as you have to order more product. Yeah, like our numbers. Um, been. but so like, like it, it, like I would like it really is, like a deluxe product, and I'm not like charging out the wazoo. Like, I just want it on the people's tables. Well, again, that's that piece from Ori of like we want to be a business that people are excited about whatever the next product is because yeah. you know this is the level of what we and and once people get this game to their tables, like everyone's going to know the next game that comes out will be the nicest game on their shelf. Like I'm, I'm totally confident. Like when people get their game, it will be like top 10 easy, like highest production value games they own. 
flat out. That's amazing. Um, I love it. I, I guess it was certainty. So like thinking long-term, like we don't just want people to back this one thing. We want them to be excited with whatever Seacal Games does next. Um, and so like, we're not just building a one campaign, we're building like a legacy. And how do we do that? Well? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's incredible. So so what, yeah, what, what do you want the Seacal Games long-term to stand for? I, I heard like, Quality, quality, premium, premium games. <laughs> I, I, I suspect that it's also like story-driven games, right? And and yeah. probably beautiful artwork. Is there anything else? Like, how, how would you kind of bundle that all together? Is there like a tagline or a vision? Yeah. Um, you nailed the three highs that we... Yeah, I mean, we want to be, we want to be a company that produces, you know, uh, amazing like games, like a, sort of like mechanisms go, like actual good games that you want to play, yeah. uh, closed with you know, beautiful art and, you know, incredibly high quality components that come along with this compelling story that all have the purpose of bringing people together for uh, an amazing time that they can enjoy together. Love it. That's, that's beautiful. And for me personally, I think the, re like I have a full-time job. This is a side hustle that I can't help myself from just continuing to do. And I think that it's ultimately whatever I see people having fun playing a game that I made, that that is like, that makes it all worth it. And I think, and yeah. it's, it sounds like you guys are in the same headspace. So that's, that's awesome. That's really, really cool. Uh, is there anything that I didn't ask you about that I should have asked you about? Thank you. Because of those things. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, I just, we're just so thankful for this community and the opportunity to create something like this. Just yeah. Everyone we worked with has been amazing. Everyone on the flock to their team has been like, I couldn't recommend them highly enough for, if you're looking for Illustrator, use Andrew Bosley. Yeah. If you're a graphic designer, use John Merchant. Okay. And on, and on down the list. Like I might actually reach out to John. I got something going on, and I, I'm the graphic designer on all my projects so far, and I'm I'm hitting my limits, man. I, yeah. I'm not, not that he's, good. He's fantastic. Okay. Uh, I, I couldn't have found a better graphic designer. He's, he's great. Shout out to him. Cool. Well, I, I can't thank you enough for being on the show and kind of sharing everything that you have about the process and yourselves. I you know, th these are so interesting for me and I hope they're interesting for, you know, somebody else online and, and you know, just thinking about doing this or, or even designers today in the field. I mean, you guys have had such an amazing success with this first one, just in terms of building the community. And I, I wish you the best of luck with wrapping up this one and the next one that you guys launched. I'm excited to see everything yeah. you guys got coming out. Yeah, we have a few ideas in the works. Sweet. Sweet. Thanks so much, Rusty. All right.